This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And we're here for the Invested Podcast, where we are closely following Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and other, not too many, but a few other really great investors who follow an investing concept that a lot of people call value investing, which which is not value investing, I don't believe anymore. Um, So we call it rule one investing and rule one being don't lose money. Rule two being don't forget rule number one that comes from Warren Buffett. So this investing structure that we follow, the strategy that we're following that I'm, I'm teaching Danielle, which she has learned very well, I would have to say, um, is, uh, is, is discussed, I think in, in a, in a significant amount of detail just recently at Charlie Munger's annual meeting. Yes. And we wanted to give you the highlights of that. Charlie calls it focus investing, which I really like. There we go. I like that too. Because it's Focus. it's the value concept, which is finding great companies at low prices compared to their value, but instead of buying a hundred or two hundred of them, he focuses and only buys a few that maybe have slightly higher prices, but are still below their value and uh, and are more reliable than the many of the cheap ones. So Charlie seems to have a pretty low opinion of of most fund managers. Yeah, I mentioned that last time. So he basically spent his beginning opening remarks complaining about all the people who try to beat the index, try to beat the market, and how they just fail utterly and charge fees as they do so. And he just can't stand it. I mean, the the amount that he talks about this is... It, it's a bit extraordinary to me. So he said... Essentially, he gave this sort of like uh, story, this tale of some investing company where these guys were all super duper smart and they had lots of super duper smart people working for them. And so they said to themselves, why don't we just ask each of our super duper smart people for their best idea? And then we will just do each one of those best ideas. And we're sure to just blow everybody else out of the water. He didn't name what this company was, but he said that they did this and it failed utterly. And so then they did it again the next year and it failed utterly. And he said, why? And then he goes, I'm going to leave you with that question because I want you perplexed. (laughs) (laughs) They just stopped. And he stopped. And then he said, you should be able to answer it because it shows how hard it is to be rational with something very simple. So then he started railing about uh, how indexes are beating all these people who choose companies, who choose stocks. And, uh, and essentially what these guys did, he eventually got around to it, that was the answer. What these guys did was use all of the best ideas. And because they used all of the best ideas, they diversified too much. And none of them turned out into anything. And they just either matched or probably failed whatever the index had done. So what he said, how, like, what do we do differently at Berkshire Hathaway? 
we've done better than average. How? And he says, we tried to do less. We never had the illusion that we could hire a bunch of bright people and they would know more than anybody else about various industries. We just thought, he said, we never thought that we could get really useful information on all subjects like Jim Cramer pretends to have. (laughs) (laughs) He burned Jim Cramer twice. Oh, I'm not (laughs) surprised. He does not like that guy. So he he said, we always realized that if we worked really hard, we could find a few things where we were right. And those few things were enough. And it was a reasonable expectation that we would do well on them. And he said, that's a very different way to approach the process. So if those guys at that very smart investing company had said to Warren Buffett, give me your best idea this year and had done only that idea, they probably would have done really well. (laughs) Right. And I I just got to come back to Jim Cramer because I really like Jim. (laughs) and and i think it it really points out something that you taught me a couple of years ago about What's the industry that? and that is that charlie thinks these guys are in the business of investing and they're not and that's, that's where really the point. wheels fall off the wagon mm-hmm. they they're in the business of staying ahead of their peer group uh, at, over really quite short time periods yeah. you know far too short for a good investment to work out it would be as if um, you had to buy real estate, um, but you only had six months to determine that the value of the price, the, the price of the house went up. Mm-hmm. Yep, right? that's Enough exactly to cover right. all. Yeah, you just who's going to win that game? Yeah. Um, so their game isn't what Charlie's game is. Charlie's game is investing. Yeah, for and a very very long term viewpoint. Yeah, very long term, which is the only kind of term. Because of, as Charlie says, the vicissitudes of life mm-hmm. can make things go up and down in the short run. So very, very long term. Um, and investing is about being capable of understanding what you own and being careful that you do understand it and being careful that it has <clears throat> the, the intrinsic characteristic that keeps it durably competitive for long periods of time. And you need that <clears throat> in order to value the business at all. I got to know where it's going to be in 10 years, at least roughly enough to know it's going to be bigger in 10 years than it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think I'll lose money on it if I buy it at a really good price. And that, and hope to God it's managed by intelligent, talented people with integrity. So that those criteria are not what are being used on Wall Street by anybody. They're playing a different game. And to the point, Jim Cramer is playing a different game. Jim is in the entertainment industry, which is what CNBC is. <laughs> and for all of our international listeners, and I know we have a lot, this is a guy who is on the U.S. financial television, what, every day? I don't even know. Oh, a I couple don't, times a day now. I don't They're, ever Jim watch is so him. popular that he's on in the morning and then he has his own show in the evening. Really? Jeez. Oh, yeah. Well, that's definitely an entertainment job then um and he yeah he just talks about like stocks basically and and says which ones he likes and which ones he doesn't like and sort of takes and, calls and stuff right and in all fairness Jim, jim's a genius i mean the guy is i mean so you've got to be to be able to do what he does like oh, be able to answer questions about pretty much any, any stock on industry, the u.s market yeah exactly. it's wild and it's it's he's so good and and he remembers so well the the general tendencies of a current of a of an industry group that you can you can name most any of the 
three or 4,000 stocks that are likely to come up on the show. And he can tell you what the trend is in that industry. And he can tell you which the best, which is the best company in that industry. And it's enough to kind of have an entertaining show, you know, buy, 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 sell, sell, sell. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and of course the Securities Exchange Commission went after him and, and, and said, you can't do that. You're advising people and you're not their advisor. You're not licensed to do that. And Jim's attorneys had to prove to the SEC that he's entertaining. It's entertainment. Mm-hmm. It's it's not advice. And, yeah. and so Charlie Charlie's picking on two different groups here, neither of which is really all about what they seem to be about. I think that's exactly right. And I sort of find myself kerfuffled at why spend so much time focusing on these negative opinions about something that is not really his his realm it's not nobody's it doesn't really relate to what he does very much well i think he's a little bit i think he's like a grandfather uh, of our let's say we're in a family called the rule one family for the fun of it which <laughs> starts with ben graham and comes through through charlie and and let's continues on with you for example and i think that he's protective of this knowledge that of how to invest properly hmm. and i think he feels badly that they're using the name of investing hmm. to do what they do i don't i think it's like what well, these guys are out there telling you that they're selling you this cure for cancer and it's just alcohol in a bottle, right? And <laughs> <laughs> he said, if they just call it alcohol in a bottle, I wouldn't have any problem with it. But they're calling it a cure for cancer. And they're charging you for it, this cure for cancer. It's mislabeled. <laughs> or laudanum. Would you agree with that? Would, I was would that thinking be probably... about these books where like the women used to always like take a drop of laudanum. And I always didn't know what laudanum was. And it turns out it's opium. It's like pure, straight up. Everyone was drugged, like on the regular, just to get right. through life. Hey, you got to get through the Victorian era as yeah, a exactly. female. You need some laudanum. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> so this is. No, this, I think you're. I think Charlie. you're a thousand percent right. That's what he's doing. He's Thank you. he's kind of taking up for everyone who's trying to be a true investor. And I mean, I read a tweet that said something like he's railing on people who are trying to beat the index to a room filled with 200 people, all of whom are trying to beat the index and think that they're the exception to the rule. Oh man. (laughs) And it's so true. I know a number of the people in the room and and I've, I've worked with a, a few of them closely enough. To and they're know all the they exception to the for. rule, aren't they, Dad? And I'm going to help you out. to the rule. Yes. I'm not. I'm. <laughs> I'm <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> what are you doing teaching me if you're not? <laughs> I really think I'm the exception to the rule. <laughs> I am the exception to the rule. But no, I I'm think I'm not I think, one of them. I think what you said is right. The rule that he's talking about is not the rule that frankly that I'm trying to follow. So, yeah, I I don't really care if so and so diversifier is or is not the exception to the rule. What I care about is can I make good choices? with very long-term companies um, and with only a few of them, just like what he says to do with Berkshire Hathaway, with his own portfolio. I mean, he says he owns four investments, 
Daily Journal stock, Berkshire Hathaway stock, Costco stock, and investment with the fund manager, Lee Lu. And he says, of course I'm outperforming everybody. Practically never have a transaction. And the answer is, I'm right and they're wrong. Do you want to be more like me or more like them? <laughs> and this is a room full of people who have 40, 50, 60 stocks. But maybe it's not. You know. I don't know. Maybe it is no, all it people is. who have who have a small number and are are pretty careful about it. I, I watched mean, shoot, this it, uh, interview with Monish Pabrai recently, which is a very old interview. So I don't know if it's accurate as to what he's doing anymore. I think it was from 2011. Well, but Monish is down the line, Charlie Munger. Oh, but right. wait, I'm going to tell you something. So okay. it's 2011, right? So quite a while ago, he could have changed the way he's doing things. Um, but it was with Steve Forbes and it's on YouTube. And he says that he used to follow the 10 by 10 rule, which is... Um, 10%, 10 stocks. Yes, thank you. So yeah. he used to follow, he said this in 2011, he used to follow that. And then he started moving towards having even smaller positions than 10%. And after the financial crisis decided he needed to, because he was fully invested at the time and he wasn't able to buy a lot, he said, and that was extremely frustrating. So now he keeps, in 2011, he kept uh, some good size portion in cash always and then made his uh his in, his investments actually a smaller percentage than 10 percent, and increased the number of investments so and then I, he didn't do that and then he didn't do that mm -mm. what does that mean and then he went out and bought a very small number of stocks and um i mean even i mean right in the range of charlie's four you know Right I mean, now, I'm not making has, this up. He said in the interview. I know, but that I was 2011. Have, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Is it, it could and have he was having a moment. I think he was he just was having, having a, moment a moment because it was a really <laughs> bumpy time. And um, and now he's on top again, and, and he's on top because he went back to the basic Munger Buffett strategy. He bought Fiat Chrysler, loaded up on it. Mm -hmm. um, it split uh, to Ferrari and Fiat Chrysler. And it made him 800%. And that wouldn't matter if you're in a portfolio where it's one out of 20. Yeah. But it matters a lot if it's 25% of your portfolio. Mm. And and I think Monash is back in the fold 100%. And uh, right now he's got, he's got uh, well, he just bought Micron, I think, but I don't know how big he went in. Fiat Chrysler, he still has it. And he's got a big, he's got a big interest in an Indian company. And he's got a bunch of cash. So I, I think no question the uh, lesson to stay in cash until there's a, a real major crisis is a lesson that everyone who didn't do it was learning from 2009. You know, I, I had the good fortune of getting out of the market in 2007 and, and was waiting to come back in. So it's – and my gosh, it, we did a class in Singapore – that class just picked 10 companies. And 10 years later, um, one of those companies has gone on, on down almost to zero, but the other nine did okay to great. Mm. And the overall return on $100,000 was 32% per year compounded, and that 100000 became $1.25 million nice. compared to the S&P 500, which is 100 became about 300000 mm. So uh, Charlie's, I totally buy it. It's 100% right. And then the question is just how 
how close can you come to Charlie Munger's level of certainty that he knows he's right? Yeah. And the closer you can come to that on any given company, honey, then the, the closer you can get to put it all in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I'll, I'll give you, you another diversification quote that you're going to like. Okay. He says, okay. and this is at about 24 minutes in the YouTube uh, video if you're following along. So he says, an idiot could diversify a portfolio or a computer for that matter. The whole trick of the game is to have a few times when you know that something is better than average and invest only where you have that extra knowledge. And then if you get just a few opportunities, that's enough. What the hell do you care if you own three securities and J.P. Morgan Chase owns 100? You know. What's wrong with owning a few securities? Warren always says if you lived in a growing town and you owned stock in three of the best enterprises in the town, isn't that diversified enough? The answer is, of course it is, if they're all wonderful places. And then he goes on to say later on, um, so the whole idea of diversification, if you're looking for excellence, is totally ridiculous. It doesn't work. It gives you an impossible task. What fun is it to do an impossible task over and over again? I find it agony. Who would want to do it? <laughs> I love it. And, and you skipped over something there. I did. I skipped over the fortunes formula part. Did you do that on purpose to uh, keep that quiet and secret? No. I thought it was um, a little bit long. Do you want me to add it in? No. I think we should just keep it quiet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I will I will say what's a what you quoted there is that Charlie said that fortune there's and that fortune's formula which got so famous which was a formula to tell people how much to bet on each transaction if you had an edge and of course the bigger your edge the more close your transaction was to a certain winner the more you should bet. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's mathematics behind it. And But of course, it's true, mm -hmm. right? It's perfectly possible to buy only one thing because the opportunity is so great and it's a hundred and it's such a cinch. Yeah, it just... Um, or only two or three. And, and so I'm just going to say that we'll just keep quiet about that, those few sentences from there on because those are awesome. I haven't <laughs> taught you that stuff yet. Yeah, it's math. <laughs> It's math. <laughs> it is math, but it is true. And the point is this. If you're going to go to the table and bet <clears throat> and the odds are massively in your favor, you should bet more than when the odds are massively against you. If the odds are against you, you should bet nothing. True. Right? True. You should only bet when the odds are in your favor. And the more they're in your favor, the more you should bet. That's just intelligent. And that's what Charlie is saying, and, and that's what Warren is saying. So you, and I love that metaphor. You're in a town, a town that's growing. Mm -hmm. There's America. Okay, America is continuing to grow, and you find three businesses in the town that are good businesses. If you know what you're looking at, if you're capable of understanding the businesses, and they're run by good people and they're durable, what else do you need? Mm -hmm. That's it. You're done. Yeah. And that's it. That's investing, you guys, by the way. there. I think we're done now. <laughs> I think we're done. With the... <laughs> what else is there to learn? Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, it's right. Like the devil is in the details, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> he also told this story, which was right after that section, where he, uh, he talked about a woman he knew growing up who her husband died and she was left a, a good amount of money. 
he said she had three hundred thousand dollars in nineteen thirties, which was a lot of money. And That's a lot of money. She divided it, and she had like a big house in the town, and so she was like comfortable, and she just decided to invest this money and forget about it. So she divided it into five chunks, and bought five stocks: General Electric, Dow, Dupont, and two others that he couldn't remember. And she never changed those stocks. And by the time she died, she had a million and a half dollars with no expenses, no costs, no transaction fees. And he said she did that because she thought electricity and chemistry were the coming things. So she just chunked it all in and sat on her ass. That's a quote. And, you know, I thought that's a nice story that's good sort of general principles, but she got lucky with those companies, you know, like you could have picked other companies that are no longer around and not done and, well. And, and people in exact that situation did. Yeah. Right? Gen- just because you think electricity is the coming <clears throat> thing, you still got to pick the right company. Right. So just because I think electric right. cars are the coming thing, I still have to pick the right company and right. I have to pick it at the right price. So that one, I was a little, you know, it's a little bit of like, it's simple, but not easy. <laughs> it's a little too simple. Yeah. And that's, that's a great story on hindsight, right? Yeah, exactly. But the concept but, is there. The concept is <clears throat> that he thinks transactions are what eat up your money and you might as well just pick stuff for the very, very, very long term and sink it in and not take it out. Yeah. And I, I think today, I mean, certainly when, when, when Warren and Charlie started investing it for most of their career, the transactional cost of changing an investment was gigantic. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't. I don't know if you even know this because you know we pay like a dollar to buy stock, right? It used to cost one percent of the stock purchase price to buy the stock and one percent to sell it. What? Yeah, brokers were killing it. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, that only changed as a result of the internet. That's been one of the great revolutions of uh, of uh, democratizing. The financial literacy is that it's possible to have the tools now to 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 do these things really cheaply. Surely that's so not tra- financial literacy. Surely that's pure transaction logistics. I mean, it must have been really expensive oh. because what did they have to do back then to make a transaction? Like <laughs> send a horse. <laughs> With somebody <laughs> ride was, ride from Omaha to Manhattan and turn in the piece of paper and get the stock <laughs> certificate back. Nineteen sixty, they nineteen sixties. They they didn't have to take a horse. I'm pretty sure it was no. the Pony Express still happening. It was not. They they didn't do it much differently than they do it now. Although certainly the transaction costs have gone down remarkably for the the big institutions as well. <laughs> but let me tell you. They were very profitable. Mm-hmm. They were extremely profitable. And that's why there's a book written from back in that era called Where Are the Customers' Yachts? <laughs> 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 the broker's got a yacht, but the customer doesn't have a yacht, right? And Buffett has laughed that it's such a strange world from those days where somebody uh, drives to Wall Street in a Rolls Royce to hand their money to a guy who got to work on the subway. It, and, and it's true because you didn't have access to the markets. Now the individual investor has access to the markets. And because of Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett spending an inordinate amount of their time educating us, 
as to how to invest, you not only have access to the markets and access to incredible amount of information that was extremely hard to get back even when I started investing mm -hmm. in 1980. Today, it's so so incredibly available and you have access and it's all very inexpensive. Um, you really uh, have huge advantages compared to the old days where, excuse me, where Value Line, for example, I think, I think I was told Value Line was like $50,000 a year back in 1970. This is that thing you told me about where a friend of yours had it and subscribed to it and you didn't. So you went to the library and got like annual reports. Yeah. And you know him. Mike Dimmick, you know his daughter. I was trying not to say his name. That's cool. I, oh, I'll go for it. <laughs> Hi, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I mean, watching him have the advantage of being able to put uh, pages in and out of his own thing. I'd go to the library and somebody had always stolen the pages. So you had to write to the company and get them. And it's just like, man, what a difference this is today for you guys. But you have to know the right way to invest. And that's where Charlie and Warren have been incredible. And that's why 700 people showed up at that meeting in Pasadena uh, uh, a week ago because they wanted to, or a couple weeks ago, because they wanted to pay homage to these guys yeah. and just really, you know, appreciate the fact that they're in the world. They're not going to be here forever. Totally. Totally. It's a, it's a pilgrimage in the true sense where you're not even really going to uh, to hear what they say, because obviously I can sit in Zurich and watch it in my house. But um, thanks. And they're going to say the, the same thing they've always but, said. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> not going to say anything new. Well, but he did say something new that I want to talk about. Maybe we can talk about it next time, which is about his mistakes of omission. And we have not really talked about that very much. And I found it, it, it was a good uh, sort of jogging my thought process uh, mention that he did because he talked about how if he hadn't missed a certain investment in the 70s and he didn't say what, what it was, um, the Munger net worth would be twice as much as it is now. And this clearly, 40 years later, sticks with him. 50 years later? How many years have been since the 70s? Yeah. I mean, a long, a lot. 40, 50. I'm, I'm, 70 to I, 80. I hate to remember. 90, 90 to zero. Zero to ten. Yeah, almost 50 years, let's say. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's okay. You're still young. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, and he still of, remembers that. Speaking of time, I got to yeah, go. Yeah, so next time, let's talk about mistakes of omission and how to avoid them. Because I'll tell you, I err on the side of doing nothing. So just in, in wrapping here, um, we'll talk more about Charlie's meeting, but read everything you can uh, about Charlie Munger quotes. Um, it's, it's an education all by itself. He's so wonderfully brilliant and so outspoken and straightforward and no BS. So you want to learn to invest, that's where you go to the source. I'll add that he did an interview with Becky Quick of CNBC straight afterwards, and there's a transcript of it online, and it's worth reading. He talks a lot about Amazon. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Okay. Till next Til time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, show notes, and more episodes, 
visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.